feels like we got into uh, late 90s rich fascination with Roman Downey there for a second when you said angels were hot. Yeah, no, it, that's I have no shame about that. It's true. I, I can feel you kind of inching towards the closet. So Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. So but... I'll just, just I'll back away. <laughs> podcast for a minute uh because pastor rich got a call from his secretary what would happen if you invited her onto the show she would be flustered okay (laughs) all right so first of all uh shout out to my kids who came through the holiday season uh calling nutcrackers nut grabbers Ooh, that's a that's a strong shout out (laughs) Shout out to them. <laughs> yeah. You never, you never corrected them. I, I mean, no, goodness, no. I, I that's pretty cool. Not grabbers. Yeah, solid parenting. Any, uh, did you, did you come through the holiday season unscathed? Yeah, for the most part. A um, lot of, a lot of church activities the whole month of December. But uh, yeah, I, that the actual Christmas Day and the the week following was was very very nice relaxing not a lot of drama so mm. it was very good the, yeah uh, my wife and i had had some arguments over what to buy the kids for christmas oh. uh, we, we all nearly got divorced several times over <laughs> it, but... did you did you make good compromises or did she win all the arguments no we we, we compromised a little bit um yeah, I wanted to get the uh, I wanted to get the girls like some uh, some drones, like remote control Ooh. drones. Uh-huh. She wanted to get like these, I guess they're fancy building blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you got, you got drones that you can build out of. Yeah, you, you got. I, I downsized the drones and got like little mini drones so that we could okay. get, so that we could get both since we were on a budget. I understand. I understand. Do you do you do Santa at your house? Oh no, no, no! I, it's like I, I, I mean that's cool if people do it. I just didn't. I don't really understand, like, what it really adds to the Christmas season. Also, you're going to hell if you teach your kids about Santa. So that's, yeah, that's the other part of it. Well, see, but your your kids are your kids are older than mine, right? Uh, I have an eight year old. Ten, six, and one. Okay, so both. <laughs> Yeah, older and younger. We we really started out strong, like trying not to do Santa. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was lots of debates about that, and we you know we're just like we're not going to bring it up, we're not going to mention it, you know, whatever. And it was honestly like one of those those culture creeping in things. Like we we sent her when she goes to public school, there was no way around ever, you know. So without us ever bringing it up or mentioning it or talking about it. She starts, you know, what's Santa going to bring me? And I want to go talk to Santa. And and so we just haven't had the heart to, like, crush that reality. Because also we don't want to have our kid be the kid that goes and tells every other kid, this isn't real. So we're just kind of rolling with it, but trying to minimize it as much as possible. 
but you know we uh we do some things like we do dave ramsey on a shelf yeah of course we have a little dave ramsey doll that we put on a shelf and, and anytime our kids think about spending money the mm-hmm. doll becomes angry and shrieks at them that is effective yeah mm. So I'm a little hung up on this. And we were talking before the show began. You said when you guys did Theology After Dark, you had offers uh, for sponsors. Mm-hmm. You told me one of them. Can you tell me the other one? Like, is it is it okay to tell that? Because I've been wondering about that ever since you said that. Okay. <laughs> we'll, cut, we'll cut it out. If, if We'll cut this whole question out. If Okay. Yeah, we had an, an offer from triplexchurch.com to sponsor us. Is that, yeah, it was, and we, and we, yeah, we just kind of didn't, we didn't necessarily turn them down. We just didn't make a decision and they passed the offer. Um, cause we were, we were torn about the message being sent, but yeah, I don't know. Was it, was there anybody else that offered to sponsor you guys? Um, Taco Bell was, <laughs> no, it was. So I don't know if you remember our, our branding, like the way that we, like our logo was laid out, mm-hmm. uh, but the, like the Taco Bell after dark kind of, I mean, like they used almost identical branding and it was like within a month of us launching Taco oh. Bell switched their logo to that like neon purple light sign. And so we were like, we've, we have impacted. <laughs> You've engaged the culture. We've engaged the culture hardcore. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. So, uh, first of all, let's do some shout out to the patrons we've got on the Patreon. As always, thank you guys for chipping in your two bucks a month to keep us afloat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seth Horton. Uh, Seth Horton is our newest pay. He's not new, but he, for reasons I don't understand, upped his pledge uh, from the lower level to the higher level. Seth, you're making poor life decisions here. Are you well, are you okay, Seth? Have you robbed a bank, and <laughs> is that the kind of money? Should should you really be making Matthew a co-conspirator in your felony? <laughs> I mean, do you need to borrow my Ramsey on a shelf doll? <laughs> yeah, you should start mass producing those. It would sell. <laughs> Yeah, Dave Ramsey would be so confused. Like he is, like he he'd be flattered on a, on like one wavelength, but like on another way, like he'd be so confused and his like he'd get paranoid about it and threaten legal action. All right, so we have an assignment for the listeners. Uh, this got sent to me. I'm not gonna say who it was from, uh, but somebody sent, a listener sent this article to me from the Christian Post. 10 Christian lovemaking songs for married couples. Mm. Outstanding. Uh, Casey is on a road trip right now and she's actually listening to all 10 of them and (laughs) sending like little snippets back on Twitter. Yeah. The surprising thing is I hadn't, I don't know if I knew any of those songs. Mm -hmm. Didn't he jump out at you? No, like they were, they're all kind of tame, uh, which yeah. is why we need to turn this loose onto the listeners. Uh, send us Christian songs to get freaky to. Mm-hmm. I can't make it any simpler than that. <laughs> yeah. 
um, Casey and I did something sort of like this on an episode, an episode last year, probably early last year. I don't, I don't remember which one, but, um, we did Christian CCM songs that sound dirty, like mm-hmm. song titles that sound dirty. Right. Uh, so we, so we were, we were kind of there, but th- these are actual songs, actual Christian songs to make love to. Yes. Yeah. That what you're talking about, my, my 12 year old self, when we would, I would sit in the, the back row of the church with the other miscreant youth and we would go through the Broadman Baptist hymnal and, and point out song titles that sounded dirty and just be snickering and giggling through the whole service. So, Oh, come all ye faithful. That was one. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> no I, comment. I think if you're going and you can just, you can just Richard Clark this segment and sit it out if you need to. Um, <laughs> I, I think the, the best CCM one, and I don't think I was allowed to do this one on the, on the podcast, but uh, Clay Cross, his song, His Love's Coming Over Me. Oh. I mean, how can you get better than that? Right. Yeah. I, I wasn't going to be <laughs> Richard Clark and go and hide in the closet, but <laughs> no, that's, that's solid. Um, yeah. And so there's, the, there's that direction, but then there's the actual lyrical content one. I'll tell you in just kind of to spark the discussion, there was, there was a, it, they posed themselves as a, as a secular group. They were really engaging the culture. There was a group called Lifehouse in the yeah. early two thousands. Hey, they're still I guess going the, strong. Still they're, going still going, strong. they're still around. I, yeah. I just looked them up and they were, they still make albums, but um, I learned that they, so I, their first album was called no name face. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think that I, had, I was in my first dating relationship and like that became like our album. Like th- this is about our relationship. <laughs> and then I later learned that they were previously, I don't know if this is exactly true, but they were like a, a, either a Christian band or a youth group, like worship team that came together. Um, and, th- and so even though they, so there's no, the only pronouns they use are like you. So it's not mm-hmm. God. It's not Jesus. It's not him or he, it's just you mm-hmm. and they're all love songs. It's kind of the, the classic South park, uh, whatever <laughs> joke that you can change any of the, any love song into a worship song. But so anyway, that is a really good, you can, you can have intimate feelings towards another person, even though the songs are all technically about God. Yeah, that was like a that was like a pivot that a lot of Christian bands started doing like in the uh, early 2000s of just make it ambiguous so that you could maybe cross over at some point. Right, yeah. I think uh I don't know, like I'm just throwing I'm just going to seed the field here, no pun intended, mm-hmm. for like suggestions for for Christian songs to make love to. There was a Sonic Flood song. I can't think of the name of it, but it was the it it the, the lyrics were when the music fade. It was the last song on the on the CD. Uh-huh. Um, the heart of worship. I think that was the name of it. Yep. Uh, when the yep. music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Jackie Velasquez. I get on my knees. Mm-hmm. There's that. You know, I mean. I, I can feel you kind of inching towards the closet. So I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, but I'll just, I'll just, I'll back <laughs> away. I'll just, no, it's, it's this is solid stuff. This is important work that you're doing, Matthew. 
Yeah. And if you want to go modern, obviously Need to Breathe, uh, their hit single Hard Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen. Well, what about Reckless Love? Reckless <laughs> Love. I know it's problematic, but maybe not in that context. It is problematic. Uh, <laughs> reckless love. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go there. Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's between a married couple, let me, right. let me piper this. It's gotta, it's gotta be married and consensual. It's gotta be edifying. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be not abusive. just married in the eyes of God, but married in the eyes of the state as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know you guys are looking for loopholes out there. That's a, that's an impossible theology question for you. Uh, like, what mm-hmm. happens if, um, what happens if you're getting married like out of state, and you have to get a marriage license before the actual wedding? Mm-hmm. Like for that interim where you've got the marriage license but you haven't had the wedding yet, is is that is that sanctified sex or is that fornicating? I mean, that's there's a waiting period, right? I mean, I don't know. You can get a you have to get a marriage license before the wedding, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I misspoke. I, every, I said marriage yeah. license. What I meant was like, um, like, what if you actually get married, like in the courthouse, uh-huh. because you're getting married out of state, and it, and the wedding is out of state. I, I, <laughs> so you're married. You've been. You've had the wedding ceremony in the courthouse, and it's like the filing of the paperwork yeah you're, you're legally you got went to the courthouse and you got legally married but the right. actual wedding is like across the country in a couple days ah i see okay you've you've pre-gamed your yeah mm. yeah that is that is a tricky loophole i i think you're fine okay <laughs> i mean uh, again but that's you're married in the eyes of the state not necessarily in the eyes of god there i think that both are important 2003 but, matthew would really like you to resolve this issue <laughs> 2003 is, Matthew who lived in Alabama but was getting married in Michigan is your eternal soul on the line here Matthew uh, it could be it's actually 2004 mm-hmm. 2004 yeah if you could resolve this really quickly that'd be good <laughs> um, I, I don't think you're going to hell okay. but <clears throat> you're on you're on thin ice buddy <laughs> you're not going to hell for that <laughs> just just this podcast right yeah Clearly, me too. Okay, so send those uh, send those suggestions into us. Uh, you can f- feel free to use the DMs if if you need <clears> to. <throat> I would I would probably recommend it for this one. I don't know if I'd tweet these things out publicly. Um, sure, call though. I'm sure this is an I'm sure this is a a topic that that Casey will will claim for herself when she returns mm-hmm. to the podcast. So are you are you saving this for something else or what the our whole discussion, we had kind of a little private group chat about um, the song Entertaining Angels. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, we, I think we, the consensus was that it's, it is not necessarily a completely pure, wholesome song. Okay. So to set this up, I'm glad you brought this up. To set this yeah. up, we got a, uh, I think it was another, a separate DM on the Fun Sexy Bible Time Twitter of, is the song Entertaining Angels about, Two people having sex on their couch. <laughs> yes. Why don't, why don't you walk us through this one? You, you, you took an active role in, in this, in the thread. I did. I don't know. So it's one of those things. I mean, all whether it was, it was Christian or secular or whatever, in that like mid-90s world of music, 
no songs actually meant anything, right? Like <laughs> the lyrics are all super ambiguous. It's all just kind of like capturing pieces of emotions and ideas. And so there's no, there's not a lot of ballads that happened during that time. It was like in the nineties, we confused like being abstract with being profound. It was like, right. Just because you're abstract, that doesn't like the best example of this is the band Bush whose lyrics <laughs> yeah. were just, glycerine yeah glycerine and and uh beck as well like mm-hmm. and red hot chili peppers lyrics yeah. that were just stream of consciousness maybe they rhymed maybe they didn't they didn't mean anything but in the 90s when we were just so flushed with emotion we were just like, oh that's so deep man they get me yeah i remember them all all those songs felt really meaningful but then if you go back and so enter- entertaining angels by the newsboys if you go and you just read the lyrics straight through it is garbage nonsense there's not a not a coherent thought in any of it obviously the idea of entertaining angels comes from scripture that you might be entertaining angels unawares when you are kind to homeless people um and so in theory that's the point of the song but then there's all this talk about like the light of the tv screen and and so you're you're sitting on your couch and it involves the television but maybe just the glow from the television. Um, so my my possible theory was that it is is just kind of a a what I call it a a lust fueled poem about uh, all of the various because there were a lot of TV shows at the time in the in the mid nineties about uh, angels. There was the Touched by an Angel show with Roma Downey. Um, there was a Teen Angel show. A sitcom about a, a kid that died and becomes his best friend's guardian angel. Um, there was the movie Michael with John Travolta, and so it was just kind of a the person is watching their television. And was it there and, a uh, Nick Cage movie too that spawned that uh, Goo Goo Dolls single? Yeah, that's that rings so, a bell. City of Angels or something where Nick Cage City was an angels. angel and, and Meg Ryan he fell in love with her and it spawned the other Goo Goo Dolls single Iris. Yes. In, in hindsight, it is, that's a very shocking Nick Cage. I don't know. So Sorry. yeah, there, there was a lot of like angel fascination at that time too. And so I, I, my theory was that it was, it was more about all these fictional characters and like their confused emotions about, because a lot of them are hot too. <laughs> uh, so there's that. And then, and then, was I think it was Casey that said that it was just about like somebody's. They were like their parents were um, getting busy on the couch, and that was <laughs> I don't I don't know, but it could be any of these interpretations are are there because the lyrics are so ambiguous. It feels like we got into uh, late nineties Rich's fascination with Roma Downey there for a second when you said angels were hot. Yeah, no, it, that's. I have no shame about that. It's true. Okay. Right. That accent? Oh, uh, you, you like the accent? I do. You don't. You don't like accents? No, no. I, I liked it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, you had Roma Downey. I had Winona Ryder. It was a. Well, she was in there too. But yeah, I got gotcha. you. It was a. It was a. It was quite the. Two, that's two sides of the coin, though. That you went for the 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 darker, miss more misunderstood one. I went oh, yeah. for the one that portrayed an angel. So. Yeah, I. Uh, which is ironic considering who I married, but 
I went right. with the uh, like the the misunderstood hot topic girl mm-hmm. that just needed just needed the right guy to to set her straight. Exactly. Which is it could not be farther away from who I wound up marrying. She she really set you straight. Is that the other way around? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, sure. We'll say that. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So, anytime I get a. Uh, by the way, and how about can I give you a hot take? I enjoy the song. Always. I enjoy the song "Entertaining Angels" more than I enjoy the song "Jesus Freak." Hmm. Can we say it's a better song? Is that too far? Is that a bridge too far? For me, it is. But say, give give me your argument. State your case. Well, they they get credit for actually playing the music of the song, right? As opposed to just kind of showing up and letting all the studio musicians do the song like like a boy band, maybe. Well, that was a hot take right there. Let's <laughs> talk a boy band. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I just. It, Jesus Freak's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of meaning with it because it it was it impacted the culture in a way that other Christian songs didn't, mm-hmm. um, and it signaled DC Talk's departure from the from the hip hop a little bit. But no, just I, I've always loved the song "Entertaining Angels." I think it's a really good song. Okay, well, and actually reading the lyrics for a while for I mean for my entire the entire time I was actually into that song. I thought it was like one of the so like entertaining angels, ah, blah 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 blah. Like I thought it was just like they were doing like word fills. Like they were. I didn't realize it was English. I didn't realize there were I, there are more lyrics to that song than I thought there were. Right? <laughs> you thought it was. You thought it was uh, like an obladi oblada kind of a situation. You thought was it mine. was uh, Gavin Rossdale w- with Bush just garbling his way through a through a song exactly yeah so i'm i'm impressed in hindsight that they they actually had lyrics for the whole song but i mean as we previously stated the lyrics are nonsense and and jesus freak did have i mean there was some more lyrical content there which made it stand apart from other songs is it i don't know how accurate all of it is but is it a song that christian couples can make love to though jesus freak i mean it's right there in the title right freak the rhythm's got to be really difficult. Like it's, it's, it's not yeah. tender. Let's just, well, there's it. a lot of tempo changes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe we, we need that. Maybe just the, like one of those, uh, you, you take the lyrics out. Like it's just the, the song, just the, the music and just use that as like background music. Are you talking like a, uh, like a mid nineties solo tracks cassette? Yeah. Solo tracks that, cassette that that's you picked up from the Baptist bookstore. Yes. Shout yes, out. I bet. I bet there is one of those for Jesus Freak. Shout out to the Baptist bookstore. <laughs> Shout out. How many? How many people do you think sang Jesus Freak on a Sunday morning as special music, and could, like the the congregations couldn't handle it, couldn't process it? That's a good one. I, I don't think it would have. I don't. Most of the churches I went to, it would never have made it through the screening process to get to Sunday morning. Maybe your church in, had a screening process. That's impressive. <laughs> maybe in youth group you could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at my church, 
growing up, I mean, it, the, the screening process was you show up Sunday morning and say, the Lord has laid a song on my heart that I must get out. <laughs> and you got to sing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of that too, but I, I think at some point they got to listen to the solo tracks to see what it was. Um, mm. I, uh, at one point I tried to get, there was a Christian band called the waiting. I don't know if you remember them, but, uh, they had a song and at one point I tried to get it played, like inserted into our worship rotation. And mm-hmm. I got, I got the veto on that one. I was like, no, this is, this is too, this is too real. We can't do this. <laughs> too real. So hmm. I need to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's too real for. <laughs> yeah. The waiting. I, I saw them in concert one time, probably like 1996 mm-hmm. and uh, 97, maybe. I don't know. And uh, this is just to let you know what kind of teenager I was, like how strange I was. After after the show, they came out and were like mingling with everybody at the merch table. And I went up to the lead singer and demanded to know why he didn't do an altar call after the concert. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Had you had you like brought unsaved friends that you were hoping? No, like, no the one there probably weren't any unsaved people there. Is right. <laughs> yeah, that is always the strange thing about those shows where they where they would do altar calls, and it's like you, like who is coming here to hear you that doesn't already isn't like entrenched in the the weird Christian subculture, like. Your songs are not on the radio. You gotta have a support system ready though, in case somebody actually wants to talk about the Lord. Like, it's true. You gotta like have somebody to like pass them off to after the show of like, hey, like talk to this person. Mm-hmm. I saw a Third Day in concert about that same time, and and they did an altar call, and I think yeah. that was before I went to the other show. So when I went to see the Waiting, and and I think it was Sixpence None the Richer. Mm. Um, and Sarah Mason, I remember that she was there too, and they did not do one, and I was very flustered by that. I see. Six Best on the Richer is also probably a good soundtrack for our previous question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they yeah they it's there, um, but Third Day is not. That would be tough to get in the mood. And then they had that one song, Consuming Fire. I mean, you could get down there, I guess. <laughs> Oh my. Um, yeah, yeah. Third day. I, I remember some altar calls at third day shows. I went to a few of those. Yeah. yeah, they were, they were good at that. I'll ride for third day. I know, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of cool kids don't like them, but I'll, I'll ride for third day. Yeah. I remember I got in like my first day at Christian college. Like that was <laughs> a feud was started because I said that, um, all of third day songs sound the same. <laughs> And then somebody's like comeback was that it was like he has the most distinctive voice in Christian music. Oh, that was yes, yes, yeah. I remember hearing a few arguments like that of oh, he's he's the best voice. He's he's got the best voice in secular music too. <laughs> yeah, and I and I stand by my <laughs> initial assessment that they. <laughs> songs kind of blend together but i mean you know if, if they they may all sound the same but if it if they sound if if that one sound if it's a good, a good sound, sound yeah right <laughs> we were arguing past each other yeah i guess that's the <laughs> <laughs> well that was a rabbit hole i didn't think i did not expect to fall no into. no okay so 
speaking of music, I don't know. That's not a good transition. I don't care. <laughs> We're past that. Uh, anytime I get on YouTube now, I don't know how YouTube knows this, um, but I get Pure Flix ads all mm-hmm. the time. And it's always some trailer for a faith-based movie. And it begins with some ominous piano music. And then it's edited really choppily together. And then somebody is saying, uh, uh, I just heard the news. They're going to remove John from the church. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. And uh, so I, I can't not i mean i can't stop thinking about faith-based movie plots like my brain just like generates them automatically can't shut it off uh and this is um this is my only release pastor Mm -hmm. much like a homeschooler on his wedding night (laughs) (laughs) oh i'll edit that out don't worry about it (laughs) oh so, I wonder if that's ever been said. Uh, I don't like know. On, on a wedding night. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm excited for this one. I'm going to pitch a faith-based movie to you. And as always, I will need your help in the world building and connecting the characters, even to the, to the larger multiverse of faith-based movies that we do on Fun Sexy Bible Time. Mm-hmm. I'll do my best. I'm ready. A lot of the ones we pitch are, are shoestring movies. This is this is a blockbuster faith-based movie. Multi-million dollar budget. Pastor Rich, we have some A-list talent for this one. Okay. Okay. So I'm Hit pitching me. you a faith-based movie called Two Week Trent. Two, Two Week Trent. Trent. Is it W-E-E-K or W-E-A-K? Yes. yes. Oh, good question. Good question. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can slip in the little misspelling there. for. for is it a wordplay? Yeah. Yes, for wordplay. No, this is, this is traditional spelling, two-week trend. It's a faith-based movie about a, <clears throat> a man named Trent St. Paul. Mm-hmm. That's our protagonist, Trent St. Paul, uh, a celebrity, has his own show on the Home Improvement Network. Where he flips houses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and the name of his show is Two Week Trent, meaning uh, that that's like his thing is he flips the house and in two weeks he has uh-huh. to sell it and make a profit. But what really needs to be renovated is his heart. <sighs> How dare you skip ahead? <laughs> <laughs> I I did not share. I, all I shared was like the basic premise of this, and you've already figured it out. Oh no! It's I, I, you surprise me. I think that no, I'm sure there will be some twists in there. No, that I, I mean that's, I said as a compliment that you're 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 just this good at the faith based movies. I've I've seen my share, fair share. So, okay, Trent St. Paul played by Aaron Eckert. Mm, good pull. Okay, so he's got the uh, he's got the winning TV personality. He's got the bangs, like the feathered bangs coming down over the forehead. Uh, mm-hmm. Wearing like the designer lumberjack shirts, cuffed up to the elbow, pencil under the ear, um, a little bit of a playboy. I can, I can see him in that role. Yeah, That's... unattached. You know, uh-huh. he's, he's just he's kind of playing the field a little bit, and he is enjoying the celebrity everywhere he goes. He's he's signing autographs, um, but you know, he he just goes from house to house with his with, with his product product. Blah, blah, blah. He goes from house to house with his production team mm-hmm. and he, he buys these houses that are in foreclosure and 
flips them, and in two weeks has to sell them. Okay. Right. <clears throat> yeah, but there's a lot of room for for some backsliding there. For he's he's traveling the country, he's unattached, he's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You can get into some shenanigans. A little bit of an agnostic. Let's, yeah. let's let's get in his backstory. Maybe he grew up Christian. Or if you're thinking that, you would be correct because his father is a semi-famous Baptist pastor named mm. Livingston St. Paul, played by John Lithgow. Nice. John nice. Lithgow, retired from preaching. He's got some health issues. And you know this because every time Trent St. Paul goes to see his father, his father's got the oxygen tube going into his nose. And there's just like a little ambiguous medical thing that's beeping like in the background. Uh-huh. John Lithgow got a little bit of a stubble going on. Uh, not long for this world. John Lithgow in the TV show Dexter played, I think he was a pastor. He was, he was in some sort of a ministry situation and he was also a serial killer (laughs) and he was called the Trinity killer and he would, he killed people in threes Hmm. and then would arrange them in like biblical, uh, like scenarios. That was the, the whole thing. So there's there's some precedent for John Lithgow in quasi faith based. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we have an antagonist, greedy network executive, Shauna Delacroix, mm. played with brimming spite by Candace Bergen. Nice. Only sees the profits. O- only wants to keep the keep the ball rolling. Doesn't doesn't care about the people. Pastor Rich. Uh huh. Uh huh. So the entire movie hinges upon Trent St. Paul going in and checking out these foreclosed homes with his production crew to kind of like get to scope it out and, and, and kind of figure out what needs to be done before they start filming. He goes into this kind of seedy neighborhood, not seedy, but like a poor neighborhood, and goes into this foreclosed home. Record scratch sound. <laughs> the family is still in the home. Oh. He thought it was abandoned. It wasn't abandoned. The family is still in the home and they're packing up. They're being forced to leave. They're being evicted, Pastor Rich. It's a it's a widow and her four children. Oh. The widow, Marie Lopez. Uh-huh. Widow of a pastor who was killed by a drunk driver. Widow of a pastor who was killed by a drunk driver. Okay. Marie Lopez, played by Selma Hayek. Okay. As always in our faith-based movies, there must be an implausibly hot widow or widower. Uh huh. In, in every movie, there has to be one. This well, is Selma Hayek. The classic Ruth Boaz situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You can tell she's 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 very very attractive, mm-hmm. but she wears like the little Mandy Moore shawl from A Walk to Remember, just okay. so that you can know she's a she's a chaste widow. Right. She's Gotta got have the prayer white, shawl. Yeah, she's got that little white shawl. I want to back up for a minute. We okay. talked about the manager. You said Candace Bergen, right? Yeah. Okay. So like Murphy Brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would. I heard Cam- Candace Cameron. Oh. Which made sense. But now, yeah, just I just got to adjust my my visual picture here. I don't think Candace Cameron could play that role. I don't think that club is in her bag. Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. That's I was going to call you on it, but. Okay. Very good. Iron sharpens yeah, iron. Going back. And forth. All right. Murphy Brown. Okay, gotcha. 
So Trent St. Paul has this, has this, this reckoning where he's, he's got a supposedly happy life, but it's a little bit hollow and you get a little glimpse of glimpses of that where he's in his designer apartment and it's empty. Like there's nothing in there. There's no life to his apartment. Mm-hmm. And then it all just comes crashing down when he walks into this house, that the, the Marie Lopez and her four children are being evicted from. And the production crew is like, ah, let's get them out of here. Ah, we'll just come back. We'll just come back when they're all done. And the production crew leaves, but Trent St. Paul sticks around and, and, and helps Marie Lopez load up the last of her belongings. And, and he's, he's having a reckoning, Pastor Rich. Mm-hmm. He's saying, you know, much like the band Creed, he's wondering, what's this life for? <laughs> what's this life for? Nice. Goes to see his father living. That St. song Paul. could be a good, like playing over the background of his, his brooding. Well, we need we need Jake to do his uh, his Scott Stapp impersonation right now. <laughs> he does have a solid Scott Stapp. <laughs> so he goes to see his father, who's who's hooked up to the oxygen machine, beeping in the background. His father, drowsy, he's he's kind of fading in and out, and he's trying to tell his dad about Marie Lopez and John Lithgow in his his big moment on screen. He looks at his son and says, "Son." All this time, you've been building things with your hands. Isn't it time you built something with your heart? Yeah, John Lithgow could kill that line. Sets into motion. Trent St. Paul changing the scope of his show on the fly, much to the chagrin of Shauna Delacroix. He's now going into homes that are being foreclosed, renovating them and giving them back to the original owners. Mm. Sean and Delacroix, not happy with this. Cuts under the profits. Cuts under the profits. Yeah. We don't want a human face on these foreclosures. We, no. we just want, we just want the, uh, the business model of two week Trent to, to, to stay the same. <laughs> so it, it leads towards a conclusion, which I haven't totally figured out, but it, it's, it's, it's Shauna Delacroix fighting for control of the show with Trent St. Paul. And in the background, Marie Lopez with her four children. And, and there's obvious chemistry between the, the, the two leads. Help me, Pastor Rich. How does it end? How does it, I mean, we know how it ends. I, I knew how it ended before it started. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of like what twists can come in there. But um, I mean, he, he ends up with Maria, obviously, mm-hmm. but he has to get saved somewhere in the process or yeah. like rededicate his life. It can't be a walk to remember thing where he, where she's missionary dating him. It can't be. Or? It can't be. No. Okay. No, okay. He's got to have. He's got to have gonna some have a, kind of like rededication. Yeah, the conversion comes before, before the courtship. Maybe like a maybe like a montage scene where like he just starts showing up because um, I think what it is is he gives his apartment mm-hmm. to the Lopez family. Oh, okay. Because they don't have anywhere to go. So he gives his apartment, but in order for it to remain chaste, like he, I don't know, is he sleeping on the couch? Is he sleeping with his, if he, is he going back home and staying with his dad? Like, what? well, that could be, so he's in a town he's not familiar with. Okay. Right. And I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of, <laughs> he's, if he has an apartment in the town he's not familiar with, maybe it's his hotel room that he's staying in. He lends that to them and to keep it chaste. 
so they're staying in his like company paid for hotel room but now like that's his whole budget and the only place that's available like for him to rent out is like the the room over like the the parsonage at the pastor's house or like above the fellowship hall at the church like he gets to stay there for free there's there's got to be a scene like where he's at some kind of network party uh-huh. And uh, Sean Adela Cross is, is is taking him around and introducing him to all these people. And there's there's all these starlets that are throwing themselves at him because he's, he's mm-hmm. a famous guy. He's a good looking guy. Right. And uh, he's walking around ambiguous alcoholic beverage in hand. And uh, these 20 something starlets are throwing themselves at him. And he's like kind of playing with it, but he's not really that interested. And then uh, something happens and like he goes back to his apartment and uh, Marie Lopez is there and she's got like a sick kid or something. And he uh, he just starts helping her out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, like he he gets to see her without the shawl on. Oh, yeah. Like, like I don't I don't know. It's, it's got to be very carefully done because it's a faith based right. movie. But just like a little bit of clavicle. Shown. Yeah, just just enough for him to see like, OK, all right. There's a woman under that shawl. There's <laughs> There is a woman underneath, and she is Salma Hayek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a from that point on that, that maybe you lead into the montage of of him. Uh, I don't know, like doing community work of like. I feel like there's a montage in there of him like at a community center and like taking food to the food pantry and. Yeah, I mean his like his his already natural skill set would lend him to doing like you know, a habitat for humanity kind of, kind of work. You can easily plug in there, start using his powers for good. I feel like his production crew are just like a bunch of like fast talking, uh, smart asses. Uh-huh. Like he's like kind of like gently like bringing them along to like, and they, they, they start to become more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And so here, here's the best way. Like, so Salma Hayek, Marie Lopez, she, her husband was a pastor and like, it's a, it's a little, um, you know, small town church aging congregation and the pastor has died. They're a, a, a ship without a captain. And there's been all the, like maybe her husband would like help out people in the church, like fix things around, like be kind of a handyman. Mm-hmm. And now they've lost their access to that. And so she just kind of mentions like, you know, oh, so-and-so has a leaky roof or something. Very and then nice. he, he just starts like going in and like, and like that's it's just uh out of the goodness of his heart or i don't know something there's a initial that's his way in is that he he starts helping all of her congregants and his production and, crew is like not there for it but he's yeah. like dragging them along and and slowly you see them starting to change too of like they're 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 getting into it there's got to be somebody on the production crew that's comic relief uh-huh like a, like a younger uh, cameraman or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm picturing the guy that played Olaf in Frozen. What's that? I mean, he has other roles. He's a he's a famous actor, but do you know what I'm talking about? Um. Oh, my kids would kill me if I know. I can't. I should know this name. There, there are listeners screaming right now. Oh, Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Gad like character. Ask yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good pull. I could see him. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think as you've been talking about this, I think I, I think I understand the conclusion now. The conclusion is 
is he's he's bringing his production crew around to like do these things and they're starting starting like filming him helping people out Mm -hmm. and the network is threatening to pull the show and replace him with someone else mm -hmm. if he doesn't give up like the, the do-gooder routine. Right. And like he refuses to do that. And they're like, that's it. Like you're, you violated your contract. You're out. And then like the big twist at the end is he's like, well, that's okay because we already have a different show. And like, there's a big reveal of like, he's been, he's been uploading like this stuff to YouTube and it's been, it's got like millions and millions of followers and he's just got a, uh, a new contract for a, for a new show where he yeah. goes around and helps people. Yeah. And there could be like a background story about like the, what you call it, the home improvement networks has a rivalry with another, like with another off brand HGTV yeah. and they're a bigger whatever. And, and they're the ones that pull him over. I think he doesn't even know that it's on YouTube. I think his production crew has been shooting it and editing it. And that's like the capper on their transformation is, is at the very end. They're like, but wait, Trent, we already have a new show. And he doesn't even realize that it's been uploaded to YouTube and it's super popular. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't doing it for the fame. He yeah. wasn't in it for that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just a subtle, cause it can't be, it can't be about him doing it to get the girl. Like he had to have an actual transformation mm. and it happened through the process of helping the poor congregants. And yeah. Okay. Uh, I like it. This is good stuff. I'd watch that. I feel good about two week Trent. Yeah. Two week Trent. So that may be, I hope that somebody's listening to these segments. <laughs> like honestly, the, the production value on all of your links could have gone up. Yeah. It's a, uh, I need to, uh, we may just do an episode where we just curate all of the faith-based movies into one episode. That's like five hours long and upload it. <laughs> I think so. And also listen to that. It, I'm, there's a lot of the last one. There's a lot of crossover plot lines. I mean, the the former porn star become. I mean, that that was our last one. I think we did, and there was some similar themes in there. But yeah. my only release pastor Rich. Mm -hmm. much like a homeschooler on his wedding night <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'll edit that out don't worry about it <laughs> oh so i wonder if that's ever been said